about the gospel of Christ. Often hear the word, the gospel of Christ. And sometimes we, I don't know, maybe because of the way it is presented. And so many of us look at it from the perspective of evangelical stuff. And that has to do with maybe going out, sharing the word and things like that. Passing out tracts. And absolutely there is nothing wrong with that. But I want you to examine something very critical in a, in a way as, as the Spirit makes me to say this in the course of my studies. Let's look at Mark, uh, Revelation, I mean rather Romans chapter 1 please. The book of Romans chapter 1. We just want to look at one verse and verse 16. Romans 1 verse 16. Are we all there? The word says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. And verse 17 adds, For therein is the righteousness of God free from faith to faith, and it is written, the jaw shall live by faith. Now, just look at that word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It didn't say I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? But we often look at it to mean the gospel. Maybe preach, preach. On a, though, when we preach in that sense, we talk about Christ as well. But it didn't say I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I didn't go further to say, for it is the power of God. Alright? Unto salvation. Now, in other places he said, Christ is the power of God. Hallelujah. So he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So the gospel is actually talking about is the gospel of Christ. How to do with the Messiah and as the case may be now. Ordinarily when you look at it, you may say, well, because he persecuted the Jews so much, the early church, and now that he has got, gotten converted, he was trying to prove, like I said the other day, to the Jews that he is not afraid or he's not ashamed to be identified with his dead. All that, you know, can go with it. In terms of suffering or whatever, I'm not ashamed. And then he was trying to prove to whosoever, as the case may be. But it goes beyond that. What about you, Paul said that? And then what about you? Did you kill anybody? And so what are you trying to prove when you say that you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Is it the suffering? Of course, today we don't preach suffering. As that which uh, pertains to the gospel of Christ. We preach prosperity. We preach glory. Am I right? So what are you ashamed of? Or does it mean this scripture does not apply to you? And so if it does, just like I'm trying to say, if Paul was just going to say this in defense of what he now believes in, in what defense then are you going to apply this scripture? So you find that it goes beyond just the issue of a defense of what you were doing on what you believed in or what you did and things like that. So here we're talking about the gospel of Christ 
And uh, what really means is what I'm about to make you see. Okay, hallelujah. So again, I said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews, false, and also to the Greeks, or the Gentiles, if you will, in other translations. And then he said, for therein, that is the key thing I want to see, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the judge shall live by faith. Now, get on to Second Corinthians. Let's first of all deal with the righteousness of God. Just a word on that, then we begin to see what the gospel really means. The gospel, the good news of Christ. The good news of Christ. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 21. Are you there? For he had made him, who is the him here? To be seen for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. In who? In Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What is the righteousness of God? Christ. What does the gospel reveal? Christ. Are you following what I'm talking about? So when you come to understanding the gospel of Christ, you are walking in God's righteousness and there is a continuous revelation of the Christ within you. In other words, if we must come to the place of the full righteousness of God, we should be talking about the gospel of Christ. And that makes you begin to see that when we talk about the gospel of Christ, in other words, if you want to produce righteousness, you should be talking more about Christ. Am I, am I saying something here? Now, just compare how people preach the gospel. Everybody is a preacher of the gospel. But it shows us that there are some gospel that does not reveal Christ. Because the gospel that reveals Christ reveals God's righteousness. Are you, are you still there? Well, this is study. I can be free to talk. I don't really. I know other people might probably listen to the tapes or CD, but did you ever see Paul really talk about the issue of hell somewhere along the line? Have you taken time to read the scriptures, especially the letters of Paul? You can find it. It talks about punishment, it talks about perdition, it talks about all of that, but you don't see him talk about hell. Fine. Are, are you getting what I'm trying to see? You don't see him talk about that. He talks about Christ. His concern was to reveal Christ. And that will produce righteousness on the face of the earth. Isaiah 26 verse number 9. I'm sure the Bible will say. When your righteousness are upon the earth. I mean your judgment upon the earth. The habitat of them will learn what? Righteousness. Everything. The goal of God is to produce righteousness. That is God's goal. And again, we must understand, like we see tornadoes, earthquakes, plane crash, 9-11 bombing of the Twin Towers. And sometimes we think that has to do with God's judgment. The only way we can prove that it is God's judgment is if only American has completely turned to become a righteous nation. Then we say it's God's judgment. 
Because where your judgment are upon the earth, the inhabitant of the earth will do what? Lay righteousness. As long as we can say the whole of America is a righteous nation, that was not God's judgment. I mean, it's, it's, it's so simple. Because if God judges a man, he becomes a righteous man. So natural catastrophes cannot be likened to mean God's judgment. Because he does not agree with scriptures. Am I talking? Somebody's wife died and he says God's judgment. Will that man become more righteous after the wife died? Then we can say it's, it's, it's God's judgment. <laughs> no, these are, the, these are the proofs. These are the things. You see, when we read this book, we need to come to a certain place of understanding. So that we don't just take it just the way it is and the way maybe it pushed us from the television and things like that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why am I not ashamed of the gospel? Because it produces what? Righteousness. The more we know Christ, the more righteous we become. In other words, at this stage we become the standard of God's righteousness. Because the man that is righteous, which is the plumb line, is within us. In fact, if God is to judge us in any way, he judges us by the standard of Christ. No more, no less. That is why he discovered that the Bible says, Noah condemned his world. How did he condemn his world? Because the Bible says God found Noah was a righteous man. What did Noah do that made him a righteous man? He simply obeyed God. Build the ark. Take all the animals, enter the ark and all that. Simple. He was a righteous man as far as God was concerned. He was simply a righteous man. Otherwise, if righteousness to be... I'm sorry. Somebody not get angry with this. But if you mention it by the activity, something though is connected. Is that connected? Because righteous man will certainly not do certain things. But if Noah was such a righteous man, this man that was such a drunkard, will he be a righteous man in our standard? Am I called drunk or naked? And if you see such a man in the gutter, hey man, this man is going to hell in our standard. Am I correct? No, I didn't just do that. It was already him. I'm not sure that was the first time I started drinking. You should have been drinking before you even entered the ship. Who knows he took some wine there? I don't know. <laughs> the man was keeping himself warm in the ark, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just so that, because you see, what you have not been doing before, you can't just get into it and then overdo it. I don't think so. Amen? Am I talking here? Okay, so, that is the point. He said, he has made him to be what? Our righteousness. So we become the righteousness of God in him. And so the gospel of Christ will produce what? Righteousness. In other words, when we begin to preach more of Christ, more of who Christ is, there is more of God's righteousness revealed upon the earth. In fact, we can continue on this subject for a long time because the more I think about it, the more I see things in connection to what God really intends to do based on the life of Christ which revealed to us. So if our gospel is tailored towards revealing Christ, then we are tailoring our message towards revealing God's righteousness. We're going to see more people righteously because more of Christ has been impacted. You can see what Paul said, and he simply said, to the Galatian church, 4.9, I'm sure, when he said, I travel in bad pain unto what? Christ be formed in you. So what will happen when Christ is formed in them? Righteousness will be formed in them. The emphasis is to produce a righteous people. And for that to be done, Christ has to be presented. 
So what you present in your gospel will determine the crop of people you have. Will determine the kind of community you have. And you want to prove to me whether that is the good news. Hallelujah. And somebody will ask, Pastor David, are you trying to say we don't have to want people again to want people again? I'm not saying you don't have to want. But wanting people doesn't make you make the people become what you want them about. Because sometimes what you fear reflects in your personality. Perhaps I'm going to be sharing something after now, as the Lord permit, one of these days. You can't become like someone until you stand in the presence of that person. Let me explain. What you see is what you reflect. Do you understand that? What you see is what you reflect. So, if you see more of hell, you reflect hell. If you see more of God, you reflect God. How do I know that? The book of Psalms said it. It said these people, they have dumb idols, they have wood, they have nose, they don't walk, they don't move. And the people that worship them are like them. Come on now. Did you get that? What you worship, you become. What you fear, you become. What is more, I mean, more presented to you is what you reflect in life. We have to understand this. So, an idol man is like an idol because he's only standing in the presence of the idol. So, if you want to become like Christ, where will you find yourself? In the presence of Christ. Now, if Christ is not presented to you, how can you be like him? So, the gospel of Christ will produce righteousness. We need to understand this. Very, very important. Okay. Let me, let me share something to still prove what I'm saying. And then I'll use one word. Mark chapter number 8. Let's look at this. Mark it. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Very, very important. We're looking at the righteousness of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now watch this. Are we there in Mark chapter 8 verse 38? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed of when he come in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Now, I want you to know the word ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you getting this? For it is the power of God unto salvation. And Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me. So you see the connection. The gospel of Christ is actually talking about the person. And the more you receive the gospel of Christ, like I said, the more you begin to see the revelation of righteousness. The revelation of righteousness. More of Christ is being revealed to you because... You are receiving the gospel of Christ. Now, I will say something before I go back. If you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my father. What's the glory of the father? We will look into that a little bit. But let me see, say something. Matthew 16, you find the same thing, verse 27. For the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels. And then shall he reward every man according to his works. Hmm? Are, we, are we following now? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. Something that is both now and in the future. 
Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Is that okay? Now he comes here and he said, If you are ashamed of me, I shall be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my father. Okay. So the first thing you're going to get for being ashamed of him is that you will not receive or he will not manifest to you the glory of his father. Then, look at Romans chapter 6. Let's see what the glory of the father is. Okay, before we go to Romans chapter chapter 6. Go to second, I mean John, the second chapter verse number 11. John chapter 2 verse number 11. Are we there? This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth what? What did he manifest forth? His glory. And the disciples believed on him. Now what did he mean manifested for his glory? He turned water out of wine. Did you get that? Come on. Are you following what I'm saying? In John chapter 2, that was the marriage feast of Cana in Galilee. Remember that? And Jesus turned water out of wine. And he said, this is the beginning. Did you get that? Okay. I said, the beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested for what? His glory. So understand something. The glory of the Son in this case is the supernatural ability to produce a miracle out of water. Does that make sense? Come on. Does it make sense? Okay, fine. Because when we look at the word glory, I think I'm going to take some time within this couple of weeks to talk about this issue of the glory. We need to understand. Sometimes we look about the glory, all that we think about is the presence of maybe something or whatever, but we, there are dimensions to the use of the word glory. So we have to understand the word glory in context at any point in time. But anytime the word glory comes in, even sometimes, hey, glory, glory, you know, we say all of that, but do we really mean what we say or do we know exactly what we're talking about? Because Jesus manifested forth here his glory by turning water to wine. Right. Now, the Bible calls that his glory. So, can I say the glory of the sun? Is that okay? Come on, am I talking now? That becomes the glory of the sun. But now he said he's coming in the glory of his father. Right? So, there should be a difference between the glory of the son and the glory of the father. Am I talking now? Let's look at Romans chapter number 6. Don't forget, if you are not ashamed of me, I will not have shame of you. Or, if you are ashamed of me, I will not manifest the glory of the father to you when I come in the glory of my father, as the case may be. And then he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Of course, we you have anticipation, or there is something for us to hope for. That is why we don't have to be ashamed of him, because we're expecting a glory if we're not ashamed of him, because he will be coming in the glory of his father. Even now, he comes in his own glory by the things he does for us. Among which are the miracles we receive because we believe in Christ. Are you catching this now? So anytime you receive a miracle, that is this glory of the Son. Does that make sense? Good. The healings, provisions, whatever it is, meeting of needs is the glory of the Son. But there's the glory of the Father. Which he said, if you are ashamed of him now, you will not get when he shows forth. Let's look at Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. 
Now like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of who? Okay. Even so we also should walk out in the newness of life. So what happened? The glory of the Father raises the dead. Come on now. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And he said, I'll be coming in the glory of my father. What is he trying to say? You who are dead shall be raised. That is immortality. It's something else. And so when Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Man, he's not just passing out tracks. He has something so deep in mind. Hallelujah. See, so the righteous of God is raised from faith to faith. You see what I mean? Now, when the righteousness revealed from faith to faith, which is the life of God revealed from faith to faith, the end point of that revelation is immortality. Hallelujah. Did you catch this? Huh? All right. So, the glory of the Father is the one that raises Christ. In other words, there is a supernatural energy that will be communicated and the unveiling of the fullness of Christ in our life. In other words, what Christ is doing now, if I may use the word, in the church age, shall be surpassed at the fullness of the age, because a people who are not ashamed of him now, who knows who the Christ is, shall receive immortality. Because that is what the glory of the Father does. Now can you see the statement he made when Lazarus was raised from the grave? How many of you can remember? After he delayed for how many days? And he said, well, really, so that the father will be what? Come on. That is just it. That the father will be glorified. Hallelujah. Now, there is a word I want us to also consider as we go along here. In that Romans chapter 116. It says, the power of God unto salvation. The power of God not to salvation. What salvation are we talking about? You know, we are saved. We are being saved. And we shall be saved. Is that okay? The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Not his power. That is why it is the glory of the Father now. Did you get this now? The power of God, this with the dead. While the glory of the Son, this with our need, if you will. Are you catching this? God is just making me see some things. This gospel of Christ is the power of God Himself unto salvation. And salvation is not Sontaria. It's not just talking about, oh, well, passing out to Jesus, I believe Him. Goes more than that. We are being saved. We are saved. We are being saved. We shall be saved. All right. The word power, like I said before. If you look at our Romans, like we read Romans 6 verse number 4, talking about Christ was raised by the power of God. Remember that? From the dead. Now, the word power here is dunamis. And uh, dunamis actually means a force. A miraculous force. Now, don't forget, the beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and show for what? His glory. The beginning of miracles. The word dunamis means miraculous power. Usually by indication, miracle itself. Ability, abundance. Miracles or workers of miracles means power, means strength, means mighty energy, if you will. So 
So cash and put all of that together. The power of God. The miraculous power of God. No, so what does God do? God is not just passing the Red Sea. No, 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 no. We are talking about God coming to the place because you can and Jesus can do all of that. But yet that is also still the glory of the Son. But when we are dealing with the dead coming to life, we are dealing with the power of God. Are you catching what I'm talking about now? We are dealing with the power of God. So this is a tremendous thing when we talk about the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God, which we can preach it the way Paul intended it, or received it by the Spirit. So that we can begin to see the difference between the gospel we preach and the gospel that God intends us to preach. Because I was just going through this, this, there was a witness that you studied the book of Romans and it came so strong and I said, God, what is it for the first time how to see it? Gospel of Christ? God's own righteousness? The more you receive that, the more the power of righteousness flows into your life and the end product of that is what? Immortality. You say, if you are ashamed of me, maybe my suffering, association, whatever, I shall be ashamed of you. When I come. So what does that mean? He's not going to say I neglect you. He's simply saying there is going to be an assertion of power upon certain individuals when we come to the place of full manifestation of sonship and immortality in the age that we are coming into which is actually the barnacle age but you cannot partake of it because you fail to identify with him. Hallelujah. Is it making sense? Hallelujah. Because you fail to identify with him. Now, get, get to think about it. Philippians 3.21. We were not looking about somebody floating from the empty space. Catch that. He is within us. From where we look for him. Is that okay? We shall also change what? Our vile body to be conformed to his glorious body. That is the glory of the Father. When our vile body is changed into the glorious body of the Son. The glory of the Father manifested. Because he raises the dead. And when Jesus raised us, he said, so that God may be glorified. Not himself. Hallelujah. He turned one hand to wine, the Son was glorified. When he raised us, the Father was glorified. And that when it was raised from the grave, it was the power of God. Are you catching this? Hallelujah. Okay, let's move down a little bit. Don't know if we can finish with this. But I'm just enjoying it myself. Hallelujah. So, the glory of the Father, like I said, is that energy that emanates from Him. Through our belief in Christ. That walks in our mortal body, just like I was trying to say on Sunday. I, I really want to believe God. And the Bible says, We lay hands on the sick, they shall recover all of that. There is nothing wrong with that. It's a good practice, it's a good belief system. But I feel we have to go beyond that, where each and every one of us who comes to the presence of the Lord will not be sick, will not be weary, will not be feeble, will be strong all the time. Moses said, my eyes are not dimmed. But now I'm 120. How did it come to be? Because he saw so much of God's glory on the mountain. 
so much of God's glory that his natural body reflected the light that he saw. In fact, to me, God intentionally have to allow Moses to die. In fact, he has to kill Moses and bury him too. Because it was not possible for Moses to die. He saw so much of his glory. He said his eyes were not dim. He wasn't using glasses. Like we do now. Huh? Come on. Why? Because he saw so much of God's glory. So much. He was so much in his presence for that 40 days and 40 nights. No food. But he was being fed supernaturally. So that his body received a different nourishment. So that his eyes were not dimmed. Hallelujah. Says the power of God unto salvation. What is salvation? Everything, everything. Listen, let's see how we tie up the gospel in relation to one man. Let me show you something in the book of Luke. Says the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. Let's look at something in the book of Luke chapter number 2. We read three verses, 30 to 32. You know, Simon spoke here. Remember, Simon was speaking when Jesus was born. Remember that? Amen. And he said, For my eyes, verse 30, for my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Watch this. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. Was he talking about an abstracting or a person? See that? Is the power of God unto Christ becoming more of Christ for both his deliverance, life from darkness, entering into truth, having life that was not ordinarily there? Hallelujah. My eyes, I see thy salvation. The gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. Don't forget what I told you. I think a Sunday or something like that. You must be able to separate or differentiate the difference between the son and the gift. I mean the child and the son. You should be able to differentiate that. Isaiah said it. A child is born. But it was the son that was given. Not the child. You should know the difference. Huh? Because the truth is, the gift is what produces the salvation. The gift of eternal life is the, is the child, is the son that was given. Because that's why he said, This is eternal life, that they might know thee, and the only true son would thou have sent. Can you remember that? Luke 17. So when you talk of the gift of eternal life, you are talking about a person, not the gift of living forever in the by and by. Hallelujah. So you should understand it when he said a child is given and I mean a, a son is born. I mean, a child is born and a son is I mean, a child is given. You see that? A child is born, a son is given. And the government is upon the shoulder of the son, not the child. Hmm? The government is not on the shoulder of the child, but on the son. The son is a gift. The child is a human being. And that child's name was called Jesus. In John, I mean in Matthew chapter 1, that child's name was called Jesus. Because he would deliver their people from their sins. Remember that? 
Are you see there? But I shall carry the gift which is the son. So let's understand. So when the Bible now say, I've seen thy salvation. To me, John, I mean, Simon wasn't just talking about the child per se. Though inclusive in the sense that it was going to be a sacrifice, going to be a deliverance. By implication, by reason of this pure lamb sacrifice, Israel itself shall be saved from the hands of the enemy. In this sense, the Roman in particular. Hallelujah. So let's put you our subject tonight again. Now, so, so, so when we say the gospel of Christ, we are dealing with the Christ as a person, the energy of God as a gift, that the more we have him, the more deliverance and freedom we will have from everything that seems to be entangling us in the natural. And even in the spiritual. Hallelujah. If we know that the focus of our message is to make people become more of Christ-like, then we should understand that if it is fear is basically eliminated, more of the Christ life will be implanted in the people. We don't preach to intimidate people. We preach to become Christ-like. Hallelujah. Now, look at what Jesus told the people. He said, yes, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that does what? Testifies of me. What is he saying? You are reading the book all the time. It is written about me. But now here I am. You don't know me. So, what is the gospel of the book supposed to show us? Christ. That was the point. Did you, did you get that? So, when he said the gospel of Christ, God is saying, know more of him, preach more of him, talk more about him. He said, you search the scripture for in them, you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testifies of me. In other words, all the things you read in, they point towards me. But when we read, what do we see? That's the question. What do we see? When we listen to the gospel, what do we see? That's the issue. What do we see? Hallelujah. Gospel of Christ. Okay. So what then does the gospel reveal? The Bible says it reveals the righteousness of God. That go from faith to faith. Is that okay? Reveals the righteousness of God that go from faith to faith. Now, Galatians 2.20. Let's see what that means. Galatians 2.20 Say, for the righteousness of God reveal from faith to faith. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that okay? You know that what I'm walking towards life? No, Paul was simply saying, well don't, don't even think that whatever thing I seem to be doing or the life I'm living is by my own strength. Whatever thing that seems to be able to bring forth is not by my own strength. Somebody lives inside of me. And that man is the one doing whatever thing I seems to be doing. See, let me tell you something. We can be so natural and still so supernatural. And that is when we come to have a simple understanding and identification of the man that resides within us. 
Often and again we quote the scriptures. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But we turn around and say, anybody that wants to follow me, fall down and die. You see, we, what do we really mean? How do we really reconcile these things? Is our belief congruent? Is it flowing on the same line? So Paul is saying, I can be eating and drinking with you and doing whatever thing I'm doing, but let me tell you, I'm not just existing. Somebody is making it possible for me to do what? To exist. Sometimes some of the things we call grace is not really grace. It's the faith of the Son of God living within us. That is why Paul could say, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. The energy was not him. It was part of the glory of the Son. Because when a man begins to live what you call a supernatural, miraculous life. I'm not talking of doing miracles per se now. But he lives a life that defies all logical conclusion of what should have been possible. You just know that he's living by the faith of the Son of God that lives in him. Are you, are you catching what I'm talking about? And this is a life that we must come into. Because the Bible says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That means Christ, which is the righteousness of God, is revealed from what? From faith to faith. So there is a faith of the Christ that we need to have. And that is what Paul was saying. The life I live in the flesh, as a human being, I no longer live by myself. It's not even just what I hear. It is the Son of God that lives in me, manifesting himself. Because this is faith to faith. The righteousness of God. Amen? Are you catching this? Hallelujah. Okay. Let me show you one more scripture. I think uh, about two or three more something. Whew. Hallelujah. So go back. Romans chapter 9. Let's look at uh, two scriptures there. Let's see. Amen. Romans 9. Let's look at 30 and 31. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Huh? Now, the Gentiles which followed not. What does that mean? Did you catch that? Romans 9, 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness. What does that mean? In other words, we Gentiles do not have the law. We Jews, remember when Paul was writing to the Romans, he was not writing to the Roman people. He was writing to believers in Rome. Most often, some of them were even Jews who were scattered by reason of the persecution after the killing of Stephen. Is that okay? Alright. So here he says, what are we trying to say now? That the Gentiles who did not go after the law have attained to the righteousness of God. It should be baffling Jewish people. It's not what he was trying to say. You're holding on to this law, but look at the Gentile people who doesn't have the law. But now they have the righteousness of God. <laughs> is what he's trying to say. Because he told us already in 2 Corinthians 5 that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. They simply believe into Christ. Are you catching this? And God says these are righteous people. And the Jews are trying to say, we only have this standard. What is this standard? This is the standard, the law. And Paul said, what are we talking about? 
These people have already attained to the righteousness of God by simply believing. Amen? And the next one says, But Israel, which follow after the law of righteousness, have not attained to the righteousness, or what is it? To the law of righteousness. What was I saying? Hallelujah. In other words, in trying to stay with the law, does it make you righteous? Because we feel there is a law of righteousness. Now, the truth again is, the laws of God were righteous laws. That's the irony, the paradox in this. The laws of God were righteous laws. Because they were actually meant to produce justice. Which is another word for righteousness. Is that okay? It's for instance, let me give you a simple illustration. And the Bible says, if for instance you steal from somebody's property, and it said you have to restore seven times, isn't it? Which is restitution. Right? Uh, sometimes, some of those laws may look too harsh for our society, for instance. Uh, it talks about when you kill a man. You should be killed. That may not have been a good, good law. But you know what? That law seems to be a little bit better than what we have now. Because men know that when they kill now, they can't kill them back. You put them in jail, government pays for them. Those of those who are free, we get taxes and feed them. And they are there playing music. The only difference between you and them is they are using uniform, you are not using uniform. But you are the one laboring to feed them because they don't work. You buy the uniform too. But restitution says you pay double. You don't have to be in any jail. You have to be out and work for it. <laughs> now there is a kind of fear. Now you must understand something. God also gave what you call the city of refuge. Is that okay? What is the bottom line? It is not that you kill. It is a motive. Because he said... If a man does not hate his brother, but peradventure he kills his brother accidentally, there was no hatred, then let him go to that city and stay, so that the avenger will not catch up with him. In other words, God said, don't kill that man because he didn't plan to. But when you plan to, eh? the truth of it is, God's laws were righteous laws. But again, we can't keep them by simply saying we believe into them. But in coming to Christ, you discover that you can practice the law without thinking about the law. That's why I give this summary. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God. You simply summarize the whole two in, I mean the whole laws in just two. Remember that? I shall love God with all that man, with all that man, love their neighbor as I said, period. See, just keep those two. He said, the summary of all the commandments are in that too. If you love God, you will obey Him, you will respect Him, you will worship Him, you do all that you are supposed to do. If you love your neighbor, you will not want to harm or do anything contrary. Am I talking now? So there will be no issue of murder. You can't be thinking of murder anymore because you already have the things that keeps you from that which has to do with the Christ life. Hallelujah. So the Bible now says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For the dunamis of God Unto salvation. 
For therein, it is as we believe into Christ that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's what I love in that thing. The verse 17 is so interesting to me. You want to be a righteous man? Then believe into the gospel and that as it comes into your life, he makes righteousness out of you. You end up becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Is it simple enough? Amen? So we must understand. So when we say the gospel, we should understand which gospel. When it talks about another gospel, which is not the gospel. In other words, there are gospel you preach, which is not the gospel. But there is one gospel, and that gospel is the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. So if you're not afraid of ashamed of me, all my wells. What does that mean? You are not ashamed of my person, my identity, identify with me like Simon did, even when I died on the cross. All my words, which have to do with my doctrine, then I shall be, or if you are ashamed, I shall also be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my Father. When I'm going to raise the dead, when I'm going to bring immortality to people, even within the church system, you can watch with your eyes, but you will not partake of it. Because you are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Therein, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Hallelujah. 